What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 14 of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera from Niners Nation. And as always, with me, Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding, and I do mean Bleeding Green Nation. <laughs> I mean, I'm no Alex Smith, but uh, definitely from <laughs> Bleeding Green Nation here, Stats. Uh, of course, I want to say from the top, uh, follow Stats on Twitter at stats on fire follow me on twitter at brandon gown interact with us we'd love for you to tweet at us you know use the hashtag odd squad and uh we'd love to get some conversation going with you about the show uh love to interact with the listeners and speaking of the listeners stats i want to read a review here from uh toby mcguire's biggest fan on the apple podcast reviews which you can leave a rating you know five stars and then review for uh the title here is reminds eagles fans that football is an enjoyable sport to watch uh, they Toby McGuire's biggest fan says they found their way to this awesome slate of shows on the SB Nation NFL show by becoming a consistent Bleeding Green Nation listener this year. And all the shows on this feed are great and helps him enjoy the sport, the sport of football aside uh, from the Eagles, uh, besides from the pit of misery that the Eagles live in. You know, I threw him in the pit of misery. Uh, so it was much deserved, but so that's, that's definitely true stats. This podcast is a nice break for some Eagles fans. I know, uh, who are, don't want to hear about the Eagles and want to hear about other teams instead. Yeah. I have a feeling that the Eagles might sneak in before we, uh, before we call uh, it a podcast, uh, today, but thank you for the review. Like you said, we love them. Please keep them coming. All right, BLG. We got to start with Monday night football. Cause there were two games last night and both were surprising, but for different reasons. Let's start with Pittsburgh. both were surprising, but for different reasons. Let's start with Pittsburgh and Washington. The Steelers are undefeated. Everything's looking good. You think they're just going to keep rolling along. And yet here's Washington and here's Alex Smith. And they find a way to, to come back late and get this done. Yeah, I mean, the football team stats. uh, (laughs) Never doubt the football team. Never doubt the football team. It just might be the most 2020 thing where the football team wins the NFC East. Uh, I really like how this team is coming on. You know, obviously they had that big win over the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. I didn't really think that was about Dallas being bad uh, fully as much as I thought, although they are, to be clear. But, you know, I thought the, the bigger story there was, like, Washington is kind of good. Um, not a great team in terms of being, like, elite or anything. Obviously, you look at the record, 5-7. and seven. But uh, I, I really like what Ron Rivera is doing down there. I thought that was a good hire for them in the offseason. Not because, like, it was necessarily a home run hire, but it would, it would be one that would kind of give this team credibility and kind of give them uh, a level of competency. And certainly they have that. I mean, you and speaking of competency, I mean, just getting Alex Smith in there has made a big deal for this team. I mean, he's not an amazing player, um, but he's certainly the comeback player of the year. And it's amazing what he's doing to come back in here. Uh, stats. I want to give you a stat. This is from Jeff Kerr. Apparently, the Washington football team has the worst record at four and seven the time when they beat uh, the Steelers, who are 11 and no, uh, to beat a team 11 no or better in NFL history. So, really, an historically impressive win for Washington. Yeah, and by the way, can we just give the Comeback Player of the Year award to Alex Smith right now? I mean, give me a break. Guy had 17 surgeries on his leg. First, they thought they were going to have to chop the leg off. Then they thought he might actually die. Now he's coming back. He's starting games. He goes 31 of 46 for 296 yards and a touchdown. 
against an incredible Steeler defense. Like, just give him the award now. Call it. We don't need to wait until the end of the season. Would you rename the NFL Comeback Player of the Year award after Alex Smith? I saw some Washington fans pushing for that. I could go for that. Like, that wouldn't bother me at all. The guy is as tough as they come. Even before this, he had a shoulder injury with the 49ers way back in the day. Mike Nolan was the coach and started calling out his toughness, and he's trying to play through this horrible (laughs) shoulder injury. Like, the dude is tough as nails. You mentioned it. He gets spiked in the leg, and blood is gushing out from his leg. You know, I looked and saw Alex Smith's leg trending on Twitter and was terrified. (laughs) And then I just saw blood gushing out of his leg and was like, oh, that's all? Oh, good. Yeah, not great. Uh, Another thing I want to mention from this game is that Antonio Gibson got hurt early, and that's significant because I thought he's a big reason for optimism with this team um, going down the stretch. And for him to get hurt and them to still win like this, like that's pretty impressive. Um, You just look at what they have, you know, like they're getting a lot out of here out of out of not not like the most talent. I mean, Logan Thomas is like they're receiving their 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 leading receiver last night. Um, You know, Cam Sims. Uh, JD McKissick, like like the guys they're getting production out of here. You can you can see it's like it's good coaching. It's obviously not just a supreme talent or anything. Uh, and you know it'll be interesting to see how it shapes up because you know the Giants are still first place in the NFC East uh, here down the stretch. But when you look at the schedules, I think Washington might be able to pull this thing off. I want to flip it to Pittsburgh really quickly because I know a lot of people have said that their record is not as good as it looks because they've had a lot of extenuating circumstances and they haven't really played that many good teams. You were defending them early in the year, basically saying, look, give them the credit they deserve for winning all these games. Now that they've lost BLG, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I think that's ridiculous still. Miss me with this this revisionist history, this hindsight stuff, or even if people were saying it in the moment and everyone's just like waiting for them to lose, you know, that one game to be like, see, they're not even good. I mean, it was still a pretty competitive game. It wasn't like they got blown out or anything. 11-1, and one, uh, still pretty good the last time I checked. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know, obviously that they're in danger of losing that number one seed now to the Chiefs. So it's, it's certainly a costly loss, but... uh I remember when the Eagles stats were good once upon a time back in 2017 and uh, everyone was like, oh, they haven't played anyone. And I remember they lost to Seattle. And I think it was around this time in the season, week 12, week 13, 14, something like that. And it was like, see, they're not as good whenever. So it's like, there's always these teams who are, who are really good and they have that one loss and everyone's like waiting to pounce on them. Uh, the Steelers are still pretty good. Now, obviously the Chiefs being what they are, um, I can't say the Steelers are still like, you know, <laughs> an amazing position to get to the Super Bowl as long as the Chiefs are around. They're, they're still in pretty good position. I dropped them from number one to number three. Uh, I think the Steelers are going to be just fine. And we're going to get to the rest of the playoff picture in the AFC. But there's another Monday night football game that we have to talk about, BLG. Unfortunately for me, because my 49ers got absolutely molly whipped by the Buffalo Bills 34 to 24. And let's go to Buffalo now and get some help breaking down this absolute destruction. Spencer Pennington from Buffalo Rumblings is going to join us to help figure out what the heck happened. Spencer, before we came on, you you asked me how it was going. And I said to you, you know damn well how it's going because the Bills just kicked the 49ers. Yeah, and and humbly, I want to say happy Tuesday, man. Like, oh, shut <laughs> good up. morning to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was it was um, I actually I, I'm surprised as well. I, I did think going into the game that we would win because I, I believe in our roster, but I really thought that your that your team would show up in a different way. 
Um, I didn't think, like we said prior to us going live here, I thought it would be closer than it was. And with the turnover that we had with Zach Moss, with the fumble, and we kind of gave it right back to you on the goal line, without that touchdown, this game really looks like a blowout. And it's it's just incredible to me as a Bills fan. I'm I'm really in a good space. So, you know, I'm going to do my best to answer all of your questions properly. But, man, I am – it's Victory Tuesday. I didn't expect um, to wake up and hear – all the national media talking about my quarterback as an MVP candidate again. So this, I'm in a good space. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers were favored, I believe, going into yeah. that game, at least as I saw on Sunday. They're one-point favorite, so uh, kind of crazy to me. I took the Bills there with, with the point. Uh, I thought that was a little interesting. Yeah, congrats. Uh, <laughs> I just had to rub it in. Uh, <laughs> so you talked about Josh Allen here, um, and – I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the conversation around him is that Brian Dable, you know, is doing a great job. That's that's not new. You know, that's been talked for a while now. But, you know, with head coach searches coming up, I think that's of interest to not just, you know, Bills fans, but but of, you know, all the teams are looking for a new head coach as well. So can you kind of speak to what's the secret sauce here that Brian Dable has with Josh Allen? Why has he been able to get Josh Allen going? The truth is, it's not even that he really has secret sauce. He's been able to consistently have his hands on him. So he's had him for three years. And we know in the the NFL, I know people joke, you know, it means not for long. People don't keep their jobs too long. So offensive coordinators, typically, if they have a season where their quarterback has the season that Josh Allen had his first year, they don't make it to season two, yet alone season three. But Sean McDermott, you know, believed in him. He kept him here. And the relationship that he and Josh Allen have, it seems to, you know, you obviously see it on the field, but you just being in Buffalo and being around Buffalo, you you can absolutely see it and tell just how they, you know, talk about each other, um, how they interact. But then on top of it, it's not just Brian Dayball. Uh, Josh Allen has done so much over the offseason um, with other quarterback trainers and, you know, or quarterback coaches. Um, and then, you know, I still want to give a shout out to Ken Dorsey in Buffalo. Um, we have we have a, a good number of people who have really taken the time to mold Josh Allen into what we were able to see last night. You know, uh, and as far as your point to Brian Dayball, man, he's I thought last year we were going to lose him. And the interesting thing is there is a good there is a good portion of the fan base in Buffalo who truly believed that Brian Dayball should have been fired last season. And like I mentioned, the season before now, you know, you have fans who are crying like, oh, my God, we want to keep him a secret. Now we have three more primetime games before the end of the season. Good luck keeping him a secret. That guy is he's phenomenal. And I, I'm I'm very, very happy to have him as an offensive coordinator in this season. And I'm hoping that we can really ride that into the playoffs, man. We really we really look good last night. That was the first time this whole season I felt like we could go toe to toe with any team in the in the league. I don't know if you know this, Spencer, but we have on this show the only 100% power rankings in the NFL universe. BLG does the power rankings every week. They are 100% accurate. And as I look this week, I see Kansas City one, Pittsburgh is three, and the Buffalo Bills are five. So BLG thinks the Bills are the third best team in the AFC. Where do you think they stand in the conference? Um, Well, until we play Pittsburgh next week, I think that that's a fair that's a fair way to do it. Uh, Pittsburgh is eleven and one. They lost yesterday, crazy. Um, they lost to the Washington football team, but um, they they are the best team in the AFC currently, record wise. I think that we're a better football team than them. 
Um, but I also believe that Kansas City is still the best team in the league, even though their record isn't as good as Pittsburgh's. So I, I think as of right now, I would go with BLG's you know assessment there. I think next week I'm going to you know DM him and say, hey, let's fix this because <laughs> the Bills will beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday Night Football. I don't, I don't have a question in my mind about it. Ooh. Oh, I love that confidence. So, okay, yeah. so Steelers next week on Sunday Night Football, as you said, then uh, at the Broncos, kind of reeling there with Drew Locke. They play the Patriots, who are trying to come back to life here and, and make a wild card push. might be too late for them, but they're, they're still alive. And then, obviously, the Dolphins, big game there uh, to end the season, Week 17. So what do you forecast the Bills here? So you have them beating the Steelers. That's pretty good. So you're basically saying they win the AFC East then. Well, absolutely. We win the AFC East. That's not my concern. The team that I'm actually nervous about, if I'm going to be honest, is uh, Denver. I think that a lot of times people overlook um, their defense. And so Denver, to me, reminds me a lot of what the Buffalo Bills were last season, where you have a a solid defense that can keep you in games and keep it close. And if they can get the ball in Drew Locke's hands at the last for the last drive or, you know, if that's their chance to win and that's how they play the game. But back to the point, I don't want to get too far off here, but um, that's the only team I'm really worried about. The Patriots, um, they are trying to you know keep their head up in there it's it's Bill Belichick I still think he's a great coach I I get that people want to talk about him and now Tom Brady's down in in Tampa and it's like well who who needed who okay they both it was like the perfect marriage and that that just is what it is and we can't you know I don't want to take anything from Brady I don't want to take anything from Belichick but this season the Patriots are not a concern I'm not worried about them um Cam I'm a huge Cam Newton fan and it it pains me to watch him this year because he's not he's a shell of himself and even Sunday I think he had like 68 yards passing or something insane like that but they won 45 to nothing so if Bill Belichick can get his defense to play like that and get other guys to show up then yeah it might be a good game um but but the the last game of the season I think that one is going to be a big game it's going to be prime time that that Miami Buffalo Bills if Miami keeps winning I I didn't expect them to to do this you know i i did think they would be second in the division but but first of all i thought ryan fitzpatrick would still be the starting quarterback because he's been playing pretty well and i thought that they would really take the time to let tua develop but i also understand because reps are so important when josh allen uh, was a rookie it was almost like a blessing in disguise that there was an injury that caused him to start Um, because if he wasn't starting that was a year another year set back that he wasn't able to learn. So I see what Miami's doing and, and Tua looked good this past Sunday. He had almost 300. It was 296 for a couple of touchdowns. He had a really decent game. So um, I think, I think Miami should be concerning, but I, I'm still confident that if, if things are locked up, we probably will lose the game because we'll kind of rest starters in the second half or whatnot. But yeah, I think, I think that game is tough and, uh, but I'm confident for the rest of the season. I think we go three and one. You are riding high on a victory Tuesday. So far today, you've given us you're going to win against the Steelers next week on Sunday Night Football, and you're not worried about the Patriots at all, a team that has dominated that division for basically the beginning of time, it feels like. But, hey, when you dominate against the 49ers in prime time the way you did, you absolutely deserve it. Spencer Pennington from Buffalo Rumblings, thank you very much for the time. Now go away from me and never, ever, ever come back. (laughs) All right, man. I appreciate the invite again. And and real quick before I go, I do want to say, just so you know, this isn't me riding it for Victory Tuesday. I've been predicting a Steelers victory for about six weeks, and I've been saying since March that the Patriots aren't the Patriots. So 
you know, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch. You see, I, I, I talked my little mess to you last night. But hey, guys, take care. Have a great show. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Spencer Pennington from Buffalo Rumblings. We always appreciate having guests on the program. Yes, that's like actually on the show, like not just an interview with you. You know what I mean? Which it's fine, but I'm just saying like there's other shows on this network, maybe like the Monday Football Monday podcast that, you know, it's just like a one-on-one interview instead of actually being on the show. That's why the Oddcast is the most important show on the SB Nation NFL show feed. We actually bring the guest in, you know, to the studio. There's a luxurious treatment. It's all social distance, of course, but, you know, it's very nice. And, uh, and that's why we're the best here, Stats. I've gotten multiple comments about our virtual green room. The guests really do enjoy it. So I don't know how you prepare that thing every week, but thank you very much because uh, once again, putting the odd cast over the top. All right, let's look at the playoff picture in the AFC. As it stands right now, Pittsburgh and Kansas City are both at 11-1, and but Pittsburgh wins the tiebreak over the Chiefs based on conference record. Pittsburgh is 8-0 in the conference, and the Chiefs are 9-1. and Buffalo sits alone at third. Fourth, the Tennessee Titans. They win the tiebreak over Indianapolis based on best winning percentage in division games. The the Cleveland Browns are five. The Dolphins are six. They beat the Colts on a tiebreaker based on the AFC record. The Colts then are seven at eight and four. And the Vegas Raiders are eighth in the AFC at seven and five. Do you think that that rating one to seven or one to eight, I should say, is accurate in terms of how these teams actually stack up in the AFC? Um, I think so. I mean, you know, the Chiefs thing you can debate. I think the Chiefs are probably going to find a way to end up with that number one seed. It's just so hard to bet against them. Um, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I know our good friend Spencer here, very confident in the Bills winning the AFC East. I mean, you, you can't entirely count out the Dolphins yet. I mean, they're they're a game behind. Um, Buffalo still has some tough games down the stretch. Uh, Tennessee, we'll see if that flips. You know, again, them having the same record as the Colts, although. To be quite honest, that's the Colts should have lost on Sunday. The Texans just fumbled that game away for no good reason. Um, so, uh, and then the Browns. I guess I, I really want to talk about them stats because, you know, famously I took the Titans to win against the Browns in our survivor, take it to the bank mm-hmm. kind of lock of the week pick. And I was wrong. And uh, I look like a fool for trusting in that Titans defense, which has been very bad and entirely uh, shreddable. I will give the Titans some fight or some credit for fighting, you know, from being down 38 to seven, they didn't just quit, uh, but still obviously not good enough to come back from that kind of deficit. And look, the Browns are, you know, I've been saying they're not quite as good as their record says they are. I haven't been super impressed. This was an impressive win. That being said, I'm still not like all in on Baker Mayfield. I'm still worried about the consistency. Yeah, I mean, he has been inconsistent this year, but man, he was on it. He was on it on Sunday. He looked like a number one draft pick for sure. Now, again, the problem, like you said, is stringing them together, but we'll see what hopefully, you know, maybe he's turned a corner for Cleveland, but I give them credit because they also shut down Derrick Henry and not many teams have been able to do that. You know, I called this game the Spider-Man meme game because Cleveland and Tennessee basically have to win the same way and that's going through the running back. Well, Baker Mayfield decided to shut me up and throw four first half touchdowns and Tennessee. I, I, I thought this on Sunday for a team that's as good as they are. They get down big early more than any other good team. I can remember now they usually end up battling back and they did it in this game, but I'm stunned that a team that can look this good can get down big so early and often. 
Yeah, and that's really not their formula they need to win, too. You know what I mean? Like, they need to ideally get out to a lead and continue to salt away the clock, you know, with Derrick Henry, uh, pound the ball, uh, make life easy on Ryan Tannehill there. So, yeah, not exactly the best formula when they're when they're getting down that big. And obviously, you know, losing A.J. Brown uh, in this game hurt as well. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was concerning. You know, I, I thought they were ready to kind of – uh, put some of the inconsistencies behind them a little bit and show they're 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 you know they're good, especially after beating the Colts uh, last week. But they came up short uh, again, still in the AFC South lead for now, but you know might not be for long. The Raiders are eight, the Ravens are nine, and the Patriots are ten. If you had to pick one of those teams to sneak into the playoffs, who are you taking? It's the Patriots. It's like, it's not even, I didn't even have to think about it. I mean, the Ravens, uh, now obviously we're recording this on Tuesday morning. We'll see how they look in their game against the Cowboys tonight. They're eight and a half point favorites. So they're certainly favored to win. They get Lamar Jackson back. Um, but the Raiders, I mean, the Raiders should have lost really to the Jets and they just had a blowout loss to the Falcons who aren't any good the week before. So, I actually moved the the Raiders down in my power rankings, even though they won, because like I'm not impressed with them right now. And the Patriots, uh, you know, they it's a tough schedule down the stretch. They're you know the tenth seed right now. I don't know that they can get in. You know, maybe again, I always say if the NFL has to expand to the eighth seed, that would really help them. I think they might be able to get there at least. Uh, but I, I wouldn't count out New England just yet. I mean, it's Bill Belichick here, like we talked about with Spencer. They're six and six. They're making a run. Do you buy that or do you sell that? I don't know. I mean, when's the last time a team went to the playoffs where their quarterback had more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns? Like, that's where we are with Cam Newton. I mean, that would be the most 2020 thing ever. But I also think that the competition in the AFC East is better than it's ever been. You've got Miami and you've got Buffalo there. And, you know, that's not something the Patriots are exactly used to in their battle for uh, a playoff spot. Also important to note here that the, uh, you know, the Patriots have a tiebreaker over both the Raiders and the uh, the Ravens there. So if it's the same record, you know, that's significant. Now, if one if the Patriots do sneak in or whoever makes it from those three teams, somebody has got to fall out. Are you taking the Colts to fall off the table or which playoff team would you then give the boot to? Yeah, it could be the Colts again. They should have lost this week. That defense hasn't been quite as good recently. You know, very good to start the year. Um, you know, still a unit I like um, and, and think can bounce back, but it just hasn't been quite as good recently, and that's a concern. Uh, I mean, maybe Miami falters. They have a tough schedule down the stretch. You know, you know, I like the Dolphins stats, but you're looking at what they have the rest of the year. Um, it's the Chiefs this week. It's the Patriots next week, and then it's the Raiders, who, again, I don't feel great about, but they could potentially lose that game. And then it's the Bills at the end of the season. So they have a tough stretch here. And the rookie quarterback's going to be leading them, too, which, I mean, you're going up against some really seasoned head coaches there, and there's there's going to be growing pains with Tua Tungavailoa. Like, that's growing pains with every rookie. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Brian Flores kind of handles his quarterback situation because – he seems like he doesn't have a problem throwing Fitz Magic back in there. So, you know, there could be some musical chairs there going down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, if Tua goes cold, they're they're going to throw Fitzpatrick in there, I would think. Like, we've seen it, like you said. Yeah, that's, I kind of like Flores. Like, everybody keeps telling them that he should tank, and he's just like, I'm going to do whatever it is to win games. And most of the time, he freaking wins them. Like, it's credit to him and the Dolphins and what they're building there. And again, as we've said on this show, it's a golden era for the Dolphins. It's all gravy right now because Tennessee 
uh, Tennessee, Houston keeps losing and their draft pick keeps getting better and better. So they have the absolute best of both worlds. Okay. So that's the playoff picture in the AFC. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to look at the playoff picture in the NFC, which I think is the much weaker conference and pretty much anything can happen. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We have done the AFC playoff picture. Now let's flip it over, BLG, and look at the NFC. Where it stands right now, the New Orleans Saints are 10-2. and two. They are alone as the number one seed. Green Bay is 9-3 and three at number two. The Rams are 8-4. and four. They're the third seed in the conference. They win the tiebreak over Seattle because they beat them earlier in the year. The New York football Giants are 5-7. and seven. They beat out Washington for the fourth spot in the NFC based on head-to-head. The Seahawks are at number five. Tampa Bay is number six. The Minnesota Vikings are seven. They're six and six tied with Arizona, but they win the tiebreak based on winning percentage in common games. The Cardinals then would be number eight. And the Chicago Bears, five and seven, are the ninth seed right now in the NFC. Are the Saints the best team in the NFC, even though they are the number one seed? I think so. That's just because though, too, there isn't really a great, like there's who, who else would it be? I mean, the Packers right now, um, they had a relatively easy win over the Eagles this week, but things got a little interesting at the end there kind of, and they almost let the Eagles back into the game. Um, so it wasn't like the, the most impressive dominant win, you know, Aaron Rodgers looks great, but that Packers team, you know, like isn't uh, a juggernaut to me. Uh, you know, the Rams, they're kind of inconsistent. They, I think they will actually end up winning the NFC West at this point. Uh, you look at their schedule, uh, they're right in position there to do that. I mean, and then who else is it after that? Like, you know, I haven't been feeling great about the Bucks with Tom Brady. I mean, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks play down to the level of their competition just way too much. I'm kind of stats. I'm kind of almost out on the Seahawks at this point. You know, uh-huh. I've been a big, well, look, I've been a big believer all year, but it's not even just the defense at this point. Like, you know, the defense played fine relatively against the Giants. It wasn't like they got torched, but uh, but the offense all of a sudden doesn't show up. Uh, and, yeah, so I, I just can't feel good about Seattle when they've just been inconsistent, especially recently. I called the Seahawks the favorite to get the number one seed last week because I looked at their schedule and thought, there's no way they're losing these games. But I've said it all year, BLG. And even when the defense holds up their end of the bargain, if Russell Wilson doesn't play like a superstar, they're going to get beat. And he has not played like a superstar recently. 
I didn't think he was awful in this game, but he just wasn't sharp. Even on some of his completions, he was throwing the ball high a lot of times. He just, he wasn't as crisp and sharp as he usually is. And if he's not, Seattle's going to get beat. And we saw it last week. And you're right. Right now, like the arrow is pointing down on the Seahawks, even in the NFC West, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's a little disappointing too, because I mean, not for you, of course, but for me, you know, as the big Seahawks fan that I am, I just, I thought this was going to be the year like that Russell Wilson wins MVP that Seattle maybe, you know, gets that second Super Bowl title with him and kind of just really a season about his greatness basically. And it's kind of faltering here. And I think they're kind of looking more like a team that they might win a playoff game. um, But I don't know how much more they're going to do beyond that. And really, you know, if, if the season were to end today, that classic line that you love stats, uh, you know, they'd be playing at the uh, uh, East Rutherford in the Meadowlands against the Giants, the team they just lost to <laughs> uh, at home. So uh, maybe they don't even win a playoff game if it's a rematch with that team. Man, where where we were to where we are now on the Seahawks is absolutely incredible. Um, let's go to Minnesota at seven. The Vikings did everything they could to lose that game to the Jaguars, and yet they find a way to get the win. They're hanging on to that final playoff spot in the NFC, and I have to give Kirk Cousins a little bit of credit here. You know, once again, he found a way to pull it out late. I feel like he is quietly shedding this label of a guy that's not clutch and can't get it done in big situations. I know it was the Jags, but he still won the game. If he lost it, we would have crushed him, so doesn't he deserve some credit for winning? Uh, he's been playing better recently, for sure. I mean, you look at his last one, two, three, four, five, six games here. Uh, he's a stretch with a, a above 100 pass rating in all of those, except the most recent where he was at almost there at 99.5. Uh, so in total, he has 15 touchdowns and two interceptions and, and 118.6 pass rating in those last six games. So yeah, he's absolutely playing better here. Again, I've never been a Kirk Cousins guy. I will never be a Kirk Cousins guy. Uh, I always say it's like the Kirk Cousins litmus test here. He typically beats up on the, they, he, he beats the bad teams, loses to the good ones. Uh, that's generally, you know, how it goes for him. Uh, and certainly, you know, look, they've, they've beaten the, the Jags. They've beaten the Panthers. They lost to the Cowboys. Not great. But they beat, you know, the Bears and the Lions, who still had Patricia at the time. Uh, but, yeah, here they are. They're 6-6. Six and six. I feel like we had been saying for a while that, you know, earlier on when they, the record was bad, that they were better than that record indicated. And sure enough, here they are in the seventh seed right now. And you know, I, I feel like I bring it up every week, stats. But Justin Jefferson, he's awesome. He's like football outsiders did an article recently uh, where they broke down how he's having pretty much like the best rookie uh, season for a wide receiver ever. So that's certainly factoring into Minnesota's success here. Ever? Randy Moss was pretty good when he came in the league in 1998. Yep. Ever. I'm not sure if I'm on board with that, but he's, I mean, he's crushing it. He's the best wide receiver in, in a class that was loaded with good wide receivers for sure. The Vikings have Tampa Bay, Chicago, New Orleans, and the Lions the rest of the way. If you had to wager an amount of money that mattered to you on whether they stay in that final playoff spot, are you putting them in or out? I'm keeping them in because, uh, and I think, honestly, you know, I think they could potentially even move up to six. You know, I'm not, I don't love the Bucs again and what they have left the year. uh, I mean, they they could win, the Bucs now could win a game or two more. I mean, they have, it's Vikings, 
it's uh, Falcons twice, and then it's the the newfound Life Lions uh, in Detroit. So I think they get at least two wins there. Maybe they don't. Maybe the Vikings don't pass the Bucks. Um, but yeah, I think Minnesota stays in. I mean, the Cardinals stats here at eight. I mean, they should be zero and five in their last five games. Like, <laughs> if if not for that DeAndre Hopkins hail mary, that's what they are. They're zero and five. Uh, so and and then behind behind them, it's the Bears. Like, no, they're not. As you said many weeks ago, and why you should listen to the podcast. I mean, they're not doing anything. And then, I mean, barring some kind of unlikely run from the Lions or your team, stats the Forty ers I, I just don't see uh, the Vikings falling out. My team, the Forty ers What a pathetic pathetic showing everything in the world to play for like you said the cardinals are circling the drain seattle just lost to the giants like the niners were actually in play for the nfc west possibly but once again blg when there are expectations on this team they have let you down every single time this year absolutely fallen flat on their face injuries or no injuries when there have been expectations the 49ers have laid an egg i feel like they deserve to lose the game once I saw that shotgun run from the inch line, oh. and I messaged you when I saw that. And obviously, you know, they still got the touchdown there because the Bills uh, very graciously turned the ball over. But, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> shotgun runs? And then they they did it again on the next – the possession they got. And they, again, they ultimately got in. But, uh, but yeah, I just felt like it, it was a deserved loss after I saw that. Yeah, the offensive game plan was terrible. Like, Kyle Shanahan forgot that he had Debo Samuel. He was a ghost for basically the first three quarters of this game, and then they start throwing him, throwing the ball to him, and they start moving the ball down the field. I mean, it was pathetic on both sides of the ball for the 49ers. The Bills had a drive after they fumbled the ball and got it back. They had a touchdown drive. It was a five-play drive. They only had one second down on the drive. Forget third down. They only had one second down. That's how bad it was for the 49ers and their defense. All right, is there anything else you'd like to say about the NFC before we move on? Because we have oddities and survivor picks still to go. Well, Sats, I will be telling you a team that won't be in the playoffs. The Philadelphia Eagles will not, <laughs> will not be making the playoffs this I season. Very graciously and mercifully, uh, very good if you're an Eagles fan to see the Giants win, and Washington win, ends any possibility of the Eagles accidentally winning this thing and trying to convince themselves that they're better than they really are in, in the long-term standings. Uh, right now, stats of the season ended. Eagles will be picking six. If the Cowboys find a way to win, uh, which Eagles fans are actually really rooting for at this point, uh, against the Ravens, then the Eagles would move up to number five in the draft order. The Eagles can get as high as three if the if the Bengals and the Chargers can get a win here and the Eagles keep losing out. Um, so, so that's where the Eagles are right now. You know, they're benching the, the starting quarterback as, or at least, you know, they did in the Packers game. We still don't have the full, uh, we don't know the Eagles haven't announced yet as a, we're recording the show at 942 AM on Tuesday morning. Yeah. If it will be Jalen Hurts against the Saints, but I fully expect it to be as it should be. There's really no point of playing Carson Wentz anymore this season. Uh, what are we going to see from him that we haven't already get Jalen Hurts in there, evaluate him and, uh, and see what he can do. And I agree with that, except that Carson Wentz is not going anywhere for the next two years. If they were to get rid of him next year, I think there's like a $60 million cap hit or $58 million cap hit, something like that, that they would take. And if they got rid of him the year after that, it would be like $25 million or somewhere in that range. So I agree that Jalen Hurts just deserves to play because Carson's been bad. But let's say Jalen Hurts is really good. What do you do? 
Well, I mean, that's just a sunk cost fallacy when it comes to playing Wentz, though, at that point. Like, you're only, if you're only going to play Wentz because of the contract, like, then, okay, well, then you're not going to win games. If Hurts is looking that much better, uh, it's not ideal, obviously. Now, there is an <laughs> option where, uh, like, it's before the third day of the league year that Carson Wentz's bonus comes in. I believe that, I, I don't know how likely this is, but there is a little window where they can actually maybe trade him. I don't think they're going to do that. I'm, I guess I'm expecting them to hold on to him. And maybe there's some kind of quarterback, quarterback competition next year, which is it sounds crazy, especially given the money and everything. But, I mean, if Hurts plays well, how can you take him out? Because GMs do not like to admit that they made a mistake. And that's exactly what Holly Roseman would be doing if you had to bench Carson Wentz, your highly paid quarterback, making, what, $130 million or whatever it is, to play Jalen Hurts. That's admitting that you made a mistake. And, you know, a lot of people are calling for Holly Roseman's head already. GMs do not like to do that. I hope Howie Roseman is not here, Steph. <laughs> That's solves that problem. All right. Uh, before we move on to the survivor picks, let's get to some oddities because, as always, weird stuff happens in this league. Let's start with the Cleveland Browns game, BLG. You pointed this out to me Sunday during the games. They had a wide receiver throw a pass and... The Titans got called for a penalty roughing the passer with a wide receiver throwing the ball. Yeah, I don't love that. It feels like that's a little cheap. You know what I mean? Like, like it's already kind of hard enough sometimes to defend a trick play like that. Um, like, why does the wide receiver all of a sudden getting the same protection that a quarterback does? Although, I will say, it's very important to note that this is exactly why it's not roughing the quarterback. I always wondered that. Like, why don't they call it roughing the quarterback? It's roughing the passer because sometimes uh, it doesn't have to be the quarterback. Let's stay in that division. This one happened last night. There's a, it was a bad week for TV graphics. There's going to be a couple mentions of that in this oddities. But Big Ben versus the NFC East. According to the broadcast last night, he had nine touchdowns against the NFC East. Okay, that's fine. 250 interceptions and a quarterback rating of 35 to 12, which doesn't make any sense. But uh, terrible job in a big spot by the graphics coordinator. Uh, this proves that the Steelers aren't any good stats. This is the proof right here. You know, just a fraud team. 250 interceptions. That would that would be pretty bad for sure. Uh, another weird TV graphic, and maybe this was some home cooking. The Falcons were down 21-9 to to the Saints, and then they scored a touchdown. And the graphic on TV said the game was tied at 21. So that was impressive. Hmm. Uh, was it tied? It was not tied. It would be hmm. twenty-one to seventeen at that point, unless touchdowns are suddenly worth much more points than I thought, which could be interesting. But uh, no, sorry, Falcons fans, that's not how it works. Uh, math, not the strong suit, always. <laughs> uh, the Dolphins had a rushing touchdown from their punter that was called back via penalty, which is disappointing on multiple levels. Yeah, I, I really wanted that play to count, I'll, even though it gave me. Uh, uh, PTSD back to when the, the Eagles and Dolphins played last year and Dolphins ran a similar formation. They passed out of that. Um, but I, I just love how simple that play looks, right? Like he just runs forward into the end zone with basically like no one there. <laughs> it's, it's so simple. There's a ton of window dressing and then he just, yeah, there's, it's basically three blockers with three linemen and he just has to read the blocks and go into the end zone. Dolphins are tricky. I like it. And uh, oh, let's stay in the AFC East. Because the Jets fired Greg Williams, and rightfully so, because he's terrible and had a terrible call in the Hail Mary situation. But this is the oddity for me, BLG. Not only is Adam Gase 
not fired. There have been three head coaches fired before Adam Gase, but now he's not even the first Jets coach fired because they got rid of Greg Williams. Greg Williams, who doesn't even really deserve to be thrown in the pit of misery uh, here. Like he's not even he's not even good enough to qualify for that, which is very sad for him. I mean, it's it's funny that and and the Monday Football Monday podcast talked about this. Uh, if you didn't listen to them, but it's kind of funny how there's like talk that oh the Jets did that on purpose because they're tanking. I mean, Greg Williams did not do that on purpose. Like he doesn't care. He doesn't care about tanking. Like he wants to win the game. Uh, so. It ended up helping the Jets fan. Jets fans would celebrate Greg Williams uh, for helping them lose and staying atop uh, the draft order there. But but yeah, not the uh, not the uh, kind of job uh, from Greg Williams uh, that if your team was actually good that you would want to see. And it's not a tank job by Greg Williams. Dan Orlovsky on Twitter pointed out, he showed other instances of, in similar Hail Mary situations, Greg Williams likes to run cover zero without safety help. He, that's just what he does. That's his philosophy. So it wasn't a tank job. It was just a dumb job by Greg Williams there. All right, that is the Week 13 oddities. Let's get to the survivor picks now. BLG, you mentioned it. You had the Titans over the Browns. That is a loss for you. That brings your record to nine and three. I had the Chiefs over the Broncos. This is how sneaky I am. I had the Chiefs over the Broncos in the survivor pick. That's a win. But yeah. I had the Broncos and the points when I did the picks with RJ on Thursday on the that. look ahead. So that game just got me all sorts of success. I am now seven and five in my survivor picks, and I'm coming for you, sir. By the way, how does it make you feel that uh, your your new co-host on the Look Ahead, which is a good podcast, uh, second best podcast, I would say, or second most important podcast on the network, how does it feel to you, Stats, that uh, your new co-host takes shots at this program all the time? Oh, we got into it. Don't worry. I defend the honor of the Oddcast. Make no mistake about it. I will defend our honor. So don't feel bad about that. I got our back. Uh, where are you going this week, Stats? Well, I'm going to continue my Brandon Lee Gowden strategy of <laughs> picking easy games in order to build my record up to inflate myself and make myself look better than I am. I'm going mm. Seahawks over Jets. Look, I know Seattle hasn't played great, but they're coming off a loss. Now they're in the thick of an NSC West race. They're going to be mad. They're going to be motivated in this one. The Jets are just absolutely hapless. Now they are going to have a new defensive coordinator. So who knows what kind of defense they're going to be able to put up against Russell Wilson. I don't think the Seahawks are going to have two bad games in a row. So as much as I despise the Seahawks, there's no way they're losing to the Jets. I did not want to touch that one stats. I think I've already taken the Seahawks anyway, so I can't. But I I don't know. I mean, I I... I hear what you're saying. I don't think it's totally unfounded, but I feel like the Jets are going to w- get a win at some point here. Like they're coming close in some of these games. It feels like they might be able to to steal one out. And with the Seahawks, the way they play down to the level of their competition, like I said earlier in the show, that just concerns me a little bit. Um, so obviously, go Jets, go. Uh, that's not a phrase. It's J. What's it? J E T S. J E T S. Jets. 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 Whatever it is, uh, I know what I'm talking about here. Um, <laughs> stats. I'm going to live dangerously again this week. I'm going to take an underdog to win. I'm going to take the Detroit Football Lions to beat the Green Bay Packers outright. Whoa. Uh, game is in Detroit. I know Aaron Rodgers is hot, but look, stats. This is the bevel bump, if you want to call it that. <laughs> uh, I really do believe there is something to when you have this really unlikable head coach that everyone has clearly quit on and Matt Patricia. Uh, you bring in a new guy and everyone kind of likes him and there's a new energy. 
And that's what I saw with the Lions this week. You know, they, they fought hard. They looked like they really wanted to win. And with where they are, you know, at five and seven, they're still alive in the NFC playoff picture. They could make a run. I don't think it's likely. Uh, I'm not going to count on it. But I don't think they're dead just yet. And with the way the Packers uh, have just looked to me, you know, the Eagles kind of coming back into that game and almost finding a way to beat them, and the way that Green Bay's run defense isn't any good, and, and the Packers really, or sorry, the Lions really like to run the ball. Maybe it's a big day for Adrian Peterson. I think the Lions can win this game outright. So I'll take the Lions here in an upset. Matthew Stafford gets a lot of criticism on Twitter. I think he's way better than his numbers look, and I think he's a really good quarterback. Another fourth quarter comeback for him. He's got the most in the league since he was drafted playing on an organization that has largely been a dumpster fire for the entirety of my existence on this planet. I could see that happening. And like you said, the Packers are not this overwhelming juggernaut. I could see Detroit going in there and causing trouble. It is a bold pick for you. We've somehow we've switched places and now I'm taking all the safe picks and you're taking all the bold picks. We have to make it interesting down the stretch, you know, make it sure that like there's something to play for in week seven. I can't just rest my starters here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and as we get down to the nitty-gritty here you know we're running out of teams to pick we we both try and sound super confident with every pick but like once you get to this point of the season now that we're 75 percent of the way done you you know every every pick's gonna have some warts for sure uh it's not easy but look you know someone had to do it and that's why we do it here on the oddcast So that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Again, rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. You'll get this show and all the great shows that we produce every week for you. Again, this is the best show, but there are still other four really good shows for you to get into and check out. So we appreciate your time. Thanks for making us part of your day. Anything you want to leave the people with, Brandon, before we go? Uh, Be nice and kind to each other. A nice little positive message at the end of the show. Oh, shut up. What are you talking about? (laughs) No, I agree. Simple, but needed at this point. For sure. Enjoy the rest of week 13 tonight. Oh, should, should we make a pick in the game really quick? Sure. Let's do it. Ravens, Cowboys, Ravens favored. They're seemingly getting reinforcements back. I think I'm going to take Dallas in this one. A little Mm. sneaky upset. I'm hoping that Ezekiel Elliott bounces back. The Ravens just don't look quite right to me. That is exactly the problem, Stats. You hit the nail on the head. The Ravens don't look quite right, but you know Lamar Jackson is back here. They really need to, him to step up. Uh, this Ravens team really needs this win more than Dallas does. Uh, the Cowboys are just so injured. They just put Zach Martin on IR. And uh, for the sake of me wanting to see the Cowboys actually win in this game stats so the Eagles can get a better draft pick. I'm going to take the Ravens and hope I'm jinxing it here and I'm jinxing the Ravens and they actually lose. So I'm going to take the Ravens to win and actually cover the 7.5. And if the Ravens lose this game, I mean, you can kiss the playoffs goodbye, frankly. I I, I don't know. I just If they can't beat Dallas in this spot, yep. I, I can't see them making the playoffs in the AFC. So enjoy the game, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.